Welcome to the Design Matters podcast, where we discuss popular topics and new ideas in design. Our student hosts look to create insightful conversations with today's leaders of design in the built environment. My name is John Bazook. I'm an architecture student with the University of Calgary School of Architecture, Planning, and Landscape Architecture. I'm Emily King, a student with the Landscape Architecture Program at the University of Calgary. Today's episode is with Walker McKinley, who is a founding partner of the firm McKinley Burkhart. Along with Mark Burkhart, the firm has made a name for themselves with their designs in the public sector, including numerous restaurants, breweries, and other public spaces. With offices in both Calgary and Vancouver, the firm is globally known and have won numerous awards for their local and international designs. The traditional practice of architecture has increasingly separated into opposing models. The rarefied world of the architect, and at the other end, the increasing commodification and specialization of the more common practitioner. For most of the industry, this has led to a loss of influence and an inability to bring true value to projects. In reaction to this, McKinley Burkhart has been seeking to develop a new model of practice, based less in hourly effort and a narrow understanding of the appropriate scope of the architect's role, and more into the collaborative, multidisciplinary mode of an intelligence agency. This ongoing process has led McKinley Burkhard to the establishment of numerous entities within the firm. Black Chamber Think Tank, Little Sister Branding, Tableau Procurement, Mosquito Agency Art Consultancy, Fat Frames, and Tone Deaf, just to name a few. What you're about to hear is a conversation we had with Walker McKinley before his Design Matters lecture. Let's have a listen. Hi, Walker McKinley. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks. Good, good. Now, is it true that uh, since you've moved your or a firm and you've started a firm um, also in Vancouver as well, that you moved there permanently? I don't know if it's permanent. Uh, I am living, <laughs> my family is in Vancouver. Excellent. I'm definitely in both cities. I'm back and forth. Yeah. I joke that I live in the airports. <laughs> What's it like living on the West Coast these days? I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm a prairie boy, so... Being green all winter and having the ocean is a treat. Yeah. It's amazing. From time to time. I mean, I like the snow. <laughs> I'm from Calgary, so. I'm from Calgary. Yeah. I, mean, I don't like the snow anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so your academic record is quite impressive uh, with not one but two masters. Uh, masters of Architecture from the UFC here and Masters of Design Studies from Harvard. Could you tell us what that experience uh, doing not one but two masters was like and how does that influence your work today? Um, yeah, of course. I, uh, I thought I was going to teach. I, I was very academically inclined when I was in university. And the, what I did at Harvard was architectural theory, like the most sort of rarefied um, thinking about architecture you could do at the GSD. And then I came out and I've taught at UFC a little. I was uh, hired to teach at UBC, but they lost their funding. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a fork in my road that I didn't plan at all. I had gotten some work, like designing a little bar, and I, w- I thought I was going to go off and be a full-time professor. And then that didn't happen, and I started designing bars, and here we are. <laughs> when you did your master's at Calgary, was there any sort of... Uh circle or was there sort of like a corner that you that you focused on more doing your masters in Calgary so I was a 
I, I, well, I'll call it a rarity. I think they didn't like me very much because I, I was doing it. I was in industrial design and architecture. Okay. Um, do they still have industrial design? Mm, not that. They had a full mass. They had a master's in industrial design okay. at the time. So I kind of was flitting back and forth from both. And then I actually helped John Brown start his company. Housebrand? And it became Housebrand. It became Housebrand. It was called something else before that. I'm uh-huh. forgetting now. So he had it yeah. as a kind of research thing. And then I actually did a ton of work with him. So I was sort of building things, making furniture, writing, doing industrial design. I've always been sort of interested. Like, I don't really care about the names I like design I like making things and now it's just progressed because uh, McKinley Burkhardt almost seems like it's a definitely become part of who we are absolutely yeah. multifaceted for sort sure of all under one umbrella massive yeah. area right? we don't yeah. call ourselves architects anymore I was going to say it um, seems like a very it's just a des- massive design, design company design right? intelligence yeah. studio it's hard to keep my finger on exactly how many uh, companies, it seems that you've started up. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I'm a runaway train. Where do you think the entrepreneurship sort of generated itself from? Do you just see that there's always sort of an area that you could kind of des- feel yourself um, yeah, ability to design? I guess. I don't like, I'm a hustler. I love business also. Like, it's true entrepreneurship. So I love design, but I also love signing deals and getting work <laughs> and doing things and mm. meeting people. And so, like, it definitely, that energy definitely sort of is why we do so many different things. And then we've gathered a team of people who are like so talented that like recently we're like, hey, can you guys make video? Sure. And everyone's like, haven't done it, but sure. And now we're making amazing videos. And like, so I think when you have that kind of group around you, it's yeah. really fun. Yeah. 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 So. Sky's the limit. Yeah. 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 How did you early, like early, earlier on, how did you, why architecture? I guess maybe a better question would be like, why design? Why did you uh, gravitate to that? It just seemed like the answer back in the day or? Yeah, I guess I have a, I did a sculpture degree mixed again, a dual degree, art history and sculpture as my undergrad. And then I think like a lot of people, architecture was like, it's still art. And I can make some money. Like, I think I was, conf- <laughs> yeah. like most people, kind of confused about what architecture really is. I had a very romantic vision of what it was to be an architect. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, that's what took me there. And then, you know, I've just been making it what I want it to be since. I've never had a job in architecture. Like, I started working in school and never interned properly in a company. Wow. I read somewhere that you... And Mark started the firm based off from a conversation involving rum and cigars. Like, that is true also. <laughs> is that yeah. true? Yes. Can we, can we delve into that story a little more? Like, um, like how did it come had about? Had some free time yeah. on your hands? Or? Yeah. yeah. So when we were in school, Mark was, I was Mark's TA um, for design studio. I was like a year or two ahead of him. Um, and I overheard him talking about going to Cuba in the shop one day when I was supervising and said, can you buy me some cigars? When he came back, he's like, I didn't know him at all. He was just one, one of the students who I was TAing. Um, I said, well, let's go smoke a cigar together. Thank you. Um, so we started drinking rum and smoking cigars. <laughs> and then we kind of did that for like a week. Um, every day we'd get together. Heck of a cigar. And, yeah. um, and I started getting work from friends who... I mean, it's a funny thing, and it's a Calgary story. My friend Victor Choi, who I went to university with, was working as a 
bartender and going to university and he started throwing parties and then he got us to design a little bar called the Mercury which was his first bar and then he became Concord Group which now has 40 restaurants and bars and are becoming a national chain and we were with them all through the beginning. So it was a little bit of a lucky, well not lucky, but maybe a bit of a lucky kind of networking very, very quickly. Friends and yeah, entrepreneurial people and I think we just, it's my nature to just do things. Right. Like, yeah, sure, we'll do your bar. Right? Like, I don't know. But we'll figure it out. (laughs) We'll figure it out. Right. So So, just being bold and at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Yeah, willing. Brave. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'll I'll buy that. I like like those words. Did you, you, like, it sounds like a very serendipitous, awesome thing that happened to you. Like, were there, what were some of, like, the early kind of... I don't know, challenges or, or kind of like, oh, uh, maybe we need to pause here and delve into a particular sure. topic. Did one of those yeses to a project ever, ever turn into a bit more of a difficult yes? Yeah. Than you well, it's all challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Like it never isn't challenges. That's, I always say it's not a hobby. It's a job. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, and it never goes away. Um, I'd say there were milestone challenges when we... When we were really, we worked out of like my dining room and it was exciting when we got a fax machine. You guys probably have never seen a fax machine. <laughs> we were excited to get a fax yeah. machine. Um, then we grew and grew. I'd say there was a point when we were like 12 people. I had been very resistant to the idea of business. Like business books all sounded cheesy and the language was like, I don't know. And I think architecture breeds a bit of, like, too cool for school, mm-hmm. cynicism. It elevates itself a bit. Yeah, and a yeah. bit cynical, I feel. Like, I actually am not proud of that. In a way. Like, I, don't, I try not to be that way, but I think I was kind of. And so I never wanted to, like, engage that. And then it was, like, a bit of a crisis of, like, all these people are buying cars and paying rent, and I better figure this out. <laughs> How does that work? So I, I dove into business at that time and found out I love it and it's actually like very creative it's it's actually kind of the most fun thing is shaping the business so uh, that would definitely be one of the moments when things shifted speaking of which and if you don't mind just for the moment you know like I said earlier it's hard to keep my hands on every single multifaceted business (laughs) that you have could you like just explain them just a little bit more in, t- in terms of context and what sure. you're looking to do with each one of them? Just, just yeah. quickly. Yeah. So McKinley Burkhart exists in the sort of traditional realms of architecture and interior design, both quite equally. We have a separate company called Tableau Studios, which manufactures and procures custom furniture and lighting for our projects. Right. So if we design a restaurant and Check. we want all custom lights, we make them. Right. So it's actually as big a business as our main business. Now. It's a thriving thing. And it works for other designers too now. Um, within McKinley Burkhart, we have Little Sister, which is branding, so graphics, video, photography, um, the marketing no, marketing yeah. that stuff okay. is Little Sister and what else do we have well Black Chamber <laughs> Black Chamber is not even a year old and is probably our biggest growth piece um, it's a think tank it, it's going to take a lot like it's dealing with uh, consumer behavior and positioning of 
markets for development and while we're working for towns, we're working for Budweiser beer, we're working for all kinds of different people to help them think about what they do. Right. And then it leads to visualizing through architecture and interior sometimes. What was your experience with the uh, Mosquito Agency Art oh. Consultancy? So that's actually my wife's, but we put oh, it under our, okay. our umbrella. Right. Um, my wife... My wife is an artist and was in, she's Korean, she was in Korea and met a bunch of really great young artists and said, I want to bring some of their work to Canada to show it. I think they, they, no one knows them here. And then I said, oh, you should also talk to some of these other people I've been commissioning and collaborating with from LA and from New York. And so she started Mosquito Agency. Her nickname was Mogi when she was in school, which is a mosquito, because oh, okay. she's always like buzzing in oh. people's ears, and she's little and annoying, and yeah. <laughs> so it's a mosquito agency. And so it functions under us, but it's been great, because it helps us source art, and we work with a lot of artists. We do a lot of collaborations with artists. Off the top of your head, and maybe not giving too much away, and this list is already long, <laughs> but what is not on the list that potentially you might want to add to the list? Because even that, the list doesn't even start there. There's even uh, Fat Frames is another one. I mean, the Deftone, like there's even, yeah, or sorry, Tone, tone Deft. Def. I mean, yeah. there's even more. So, yeah. than Fat that. Frames is my eyewear company. Right, um, so more in the industrial design yeah. feel of it, and right? Tone Deft are bespoke turntables. Like we do one of each, so and cool. they're very custom and made for the people right like very did one the one we're doing right now is a scotch bar that's a turntable super so, cool yeah they're very cool yeah so, so name me another one just yeah, what's, next? What's, yeah, what's, what's next what's next yeah what's i mean you can't can stop video now. Right now it seems and, like you're on a roll so we're really into video video okay and okay. so we recently hired a videographer to be in our office not quite full-time but pretty close to full-time right so that i mean the reason they get their own divisions often is when they get sort of robust enough that we feel like, wow, we should really monetize what we're doing here. Right. It becomes easier when they have their own, because when they're just making the Burkhardt and people say, oh, you guys do graphics? They kind of like, well, I think we used to be like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. Mm -hmm. And they'd get it for free right. or for very little. So right. by making it Little Sister and hiring proper people and giving it formal processes and right. procedures, then we can charge for it, which allows us to grow it and to... So how do you check in with all these little agencies <laughs> of yours? Like, it, it seems like... You just have, like, five phone, like, phones <laughs> on one desk. Kind of. Just yeah. kind of I mean, I'm busy. Every... We have directors who run the studios, mm -hmm. and I don't know. I'm really busy. I don't sleep a lot. Like, I've never slept a lot. Like, honestly, I'm, oh, so I'll, I get up after. at 3.30 or 4 every day, so I feel like I get an extra day a week over other people. Well, thank you so, very much for yeah. making time today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So, given that you don't really call yourselves architects in your office anymore, what do you think the role of an architect is nowadays mm. here? I mean, we we do architecting. Like, we are architects. <laughs> I'm an architect. Um, I, I feel like, for us at least, and I think in this part of the world, the architect is... You know, there's there's architects who are seen as iconic values to projects. Even the library, which is a civic project and a library, 
the Starkitect role is a value add for tourism for like that's why you use a Starkitect. Right. It's actually that celebrity. It has a it's an asset, mm-hmm. like a monetary asset, I think. Mm-hmm. And you well, they're great. Like they most of them are that because they're great architects, so you get a great building. But for most people and in our system in particular, that doesn't really exist, right? It's a kind of European model of how people get the kind of work that allows them to get to that stage. Here you work for developers, you work for cities, you work for... And the I feel like the profession has just become very commoditized. You know, you're, you're, you're much like the gardener. You're like, we need you to do this task, get it done, please. We don't need you to comment on the bigger role. So... We've been trying to shape our practice to very much, well, first to engage commerce and to like say, well, you know, I think architects, again, they're cynical and they they push away commerce. It feels dirty. It's supposed to be this iconic thing. And it means that they don't get to partake in so much. So we've engaged commerce a lot and we're trying to figure out how to, you know, then it becomes placemaking, becomes all of that. But but it's all private money now, right? Like we're working for developers and most public space, it's like you said, we've done public space. They're all private businesses, like restaurants. Um, you look at Hudson Yards in New York with the, the vessel and all of that, they're private. Right. They're owned by private money, but they're public spaces. So I think it changes that whole dynamic. And if you're not engaging that dynamic, you're not playing. Right. right. So that's the world we're really trying to engage Shift. and that all sounds kind of like it's hard to know what that looks like until you see what it looks like yeah um, <laughs> sounds abstract yeah well we were gonna ask you like what is that engagement process like when you meet a client for the first time how do you approach engaging them so we were typical architects in that you know we said what's the brief can you tell us more about give us the site give us the mm-hmm. information and we went about the standard architectural things we still do all of those things but when we formed Black Chamber, we started being able to answer more fundamental questions. Like, so I always say to my Black Chamber team, it's not like what kind of restaurant this is going to be. The question is, what's a restaurant? Mm. Or why a restaurant? Like purpose. Purpose. It's kind of like program, but really deep, rich, culturally embedded. Consumer behavior-driven look at programming, mm. but that that starts a conversation where now we're fundamental to the values of what's going to happen in the project, and then we can then the the design will come out of that. Right. But it's a totally different conversation now. So this happened very organically, and now is like you know we do a, what we call an interrogation for Black <laughs> Chamber, and then those clients are like, well, we don't want to do any projects without Black Chamber, even if you don't do the architecture. Right. Because we want you to do the thinking up right. front. And we work with a lot of we work with artists and top chefs and DJs and economists, and they all come into this think tank to help us. Depending on the project, we get the right people in the room and uh, develop new tools. Um, it's been a whole new world for us, and it's it's changing everything about how our practice works. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. that must be super exciting. I Very mean, exciting. Your day to day must be just yeah, and it's opening us up to all kinds of different clients and collaborations in particular. We're very open to collaboration now. Like there was a time, I think again, our industry's quite territorial. 
and like they, they don't want other architects to get jobs or meet their clients and they're secretive and mm-hmm. it's like I, I, I have friends who are chefs and they're all like hey we're doing this collab pop-up and there's this incredible like camaraderie in that community and everyone's happy for each other and they're like I could do this thing and you could do it but if we both did it imagine how cool it would be yeah. and architects don't do that you're really it sounds you really blending this sort of like interdisciplinary like very just much very much from like yeah. blurring all of these lines getting everyone involved 100%. rather than just saying thanks for the project let me take it away get mm-hmm. some designs for you here you go and here's the architecture Done. Right? yeah do you like it do I get the job next yeah and we're doing that at every level like we're we're reaching out to ceramicists and saying, we love your work. Can we collaborate on a ceramic project together? And we're doing it with architects where we're calling and saying, hey, do you ever collaborate? Do you want to? Yeah. Let's find a job and do it together. One quick question I, I saw, I think it was on a, a feed or something like that of yours, but you had something on biohacking. Mm-hmm. Now, biohacking super interesting to me. However, I always find it difficult to like push it or drive it into form making or structures mm-hmm. or things like that. Have you? Did you go down that route a little bit, and were you able to to act to use it in in whatever many facets that you're <laughs> working well, so with? So we're we're working with a biohacking company right now on their projects, so their clinics. So we're designing for them. Right. I then also took them and and have talked to a developer who's doing a very high end luxury condo development about. My idea is that they build this incredible gym that's like beautiful, beautiful, tiny little gym. This biohacking firm runs it. They have a little clinic. And so you sign your closing documents and they hand you a key and they take your blood and they take your genetic material and they come back to you and they say, you should be eating this kind of diet because you're predisposed to these kinds of diseases. Here's your exercise regimen. We're going to run it with you in this really high tech gym. We're going to do mitochondrial cleansing. We're going to do stem cell injections. You're going to live in this building, and it's all in your condo fee. All of this comes with your apartment. So you will look 20 years younger. You might live longer. You'll be healthier, fitter, better because of buying in this building. So it's like I have this strong interest in biohacking. I'm like part of it feels like a real vanity thing, but the real stuff is like real it's making better people. Um, you know, it sounds cheesy, but it's actually like really helping people. Yeah. And so there's that. But then also I love this notion of like, we can hustle that into this project to make your project better and do something that nobody's ever done. And yeah. so that's my experience right now. And we're doing glasses together. <laughs> so we're... Oh yeah, and glasses. We're doing... Uh, that takes your blood and tells you to read your mind. Just, just lenses. That There's all this uh, new info on light... Uh, garbage and that if you wear certain colored lenses it, it really helps your health and oh, cool. sort of going to make some special they're called aon they'll be aon fat frames <laughs> we're going to ask you uh some questions because you you're from calgary and and your firm's in calgary um calgary has had a series of very big projects the latest one being the proposed uh redevelopment of the saddle dome mm-hmm. what do you think of that plan and jump do you think it's a well, i think it's great i mean Saddle room's not good. <laughs> it's like, you know, this is why we don't get any concerts here, right? Yeah. It was yeah. so poorly planned that you can't use any of the lighting and sound. Mm-hmm. So we need a new arena. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I don't know, I think the CMLC's done a great job of, I remember the, 
East Village when it was hookers and empty parking lots and heroin addicts. And Mm -hmm. it's a pretty progressively great urban I get a big planning project. Right? I get a big Vancouver kind of vibe too it's, when I walk through. Yeah, and yeah. it's small, so it's really like you really feel it. It's mm-hmm. I think it's spectacular for what they had to work with. Yeah. And I think that arena project's part of the further you know, they're heading down towards the stampede grounds there. Numero two, since you've been so many places around the world, how does Calgary's urban fabric compare? to some of these other places that you've been? Hmm. What are some improvements you think that could be made or anything of that sort? Hmm. I mean, the positive side of Calgary's urban fabric is it is great infrastructure for the size of city. It, like, works. It's clean. It's, like, healthy. There's, you know... um, There's been mistakes made, I think, in, like, the plus 15s killed the street life. Um, things like that are it's getting better in that regard I, I think these things have to be really organic if I had to say there's a negative that I would love to see planners be less how do I say this they're, they're, there's such a desire to keep to zone things on one street and like so all the bars and restaurants are on 17th Ave it's impossible to think of right. like here's your commercial here's a here's residential street with a little restaurant in it right. great cities have those things and of course, the car has been so overemphasized here, like in Calgary. That yeah. you know, I always say, like when I get in fights with planners about parking, I'm always like, "There's a hundred percent ratio, inverse ratio of shitty parking in great cities. Tokyo, worst city in the world to park. Paris, worst city in the world. The all the worst cities to park, no parking, yeah. are the best cities. Right. The cities with tons of parking." I think they're the opposite. So, so if Calgary wanted to do a bit of a paradigm shift, it would really stop, just say, stop, stop parking. caring about parking. Stop building for cars. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, I think they're starting. People. I think, you know, that's becoming part of planning culture yeah. globally. Yeah. But I think it really hurt Calgary. You know, you have this restaurant with like 300 car parking around it. Right. There's great restaurants all over Paris and Tokyo and yeah. zero parking. What do you think of that, uh, that platform? Um, building that they're building right over the uh, train bridge over there, the one that's going to be a oh, car I don't park. Know about it. Oh, really? Sorry. Well, this might be edited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little out of the loop on Calgary News. What it, and I wish I, I should probably have brought this up a little bit more, but it was, um, it's a six-story, and currently it's existing as a six-story parking plan, basically. But Is they, this a CMLC's thing also? Yeah. I remember the RFP for By this. By platform, yeah. And there'll be a brewery in it too I think. maybe I think what they're doing is that they've in terms of the slab work they said well instead of this size why don't you raise it up to this size so that in a few you know maybe five years or ten years from now the idea is that once cars now become hopefully less the death apart relevant right? yeah um, these can now be um, you can inject commercial right. or whatever you like in there just by changing yeah. a little bit like now. planning for that obsolescence planning for that yeah. obsolescence yeah, yeah we've, we've been working on a study in Black Chamber called the death of parking the which is all about what do we well both future planning like they are but also what are we going to do with all these like parking we need a lot of grow ops right now so I bet a bunch of them will be that but, <laughs> but that'll run its course yeah there's going to be all this underground parking <laughs> right without any use 
Welcome to Kaylee. Thank you very much for joining us today. We like to end uh, every single episode with a tough question, but I think you might be the man to actually answer it. Um, being a man that does uh, have his hands in almost every single realm of design these days, are you an architect? Are you a designer? Are you an industrial designer? It's tough to put your finger at. Why does design matter? It's the only thing that matters. Design is everything. Like, whether you know it or care about it or not, it's affecting how I pick up this glass, how I look out that window, how I feel. It's all good. It's that oxygen. Thank you very much for joining us today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Today's episode was produced by John Bazook and Emily Kang in partnership with CJSW. Research was also done by John Bazook and Emily Kang with music by Vikram Johal. Biography and credits read by Cindy Nashrin. Thanks to Walker McKinley for coming on our podcast and his Design Matters lecture. A special thanks to Vita Lung, Matt Napick, and Jess Alder, and to the University of Calgary's School of Architecture, Planning, and Landscape Architecture for all of their support. Coming up next, we will be talking to Russell Acton and what he sees as the key challenges that require exploration to further advance the tall wood movement, both at home and around the globe. Thanks for listening today. And if you're looking for more information about our guest today and the Design Matters lecture series, you can head over to our website at sapl.ucalgary.ca. Students who I was TAing. Um, I said, well, let's go smoke a cigar together. Thank you. Um, so we started drinking rum and smoking cigars. <laughs> to and then we kind of did that for like a week. Um, <laughs> every day we'd get together. Heck of a cigar. And-